don't make disciples by throwing good Catholic things into a blender and hoping that you're going to pour out a disciple. Hey everyone, welcome to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Michael Gormley, and I am joined by my co-host, the ever-delightful David to all the nations, Van Vickel. How are you, David? I'm good. Let's get into this. I'm excited about this episode because you're so excited. Because you're so excited. I am because so many pr- priests ask us about this. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And and DREs. We get. I mean, we get like you know people ask me constantly like, what are just some simple things at the parish? That's what we're going to talk about today. Is just some great first steps at parishes, practical things that need to happen at parishes. What we're going to do is talk about priorities that parishes can seize upon in order to bring about the new evangelization. And one of the guides that's going to help us is actually from a mutual friend of ours, herself a a, a stone-cold evangelist, uh, Carol Brown. Uh, Dr. Carol Brown has been doing the good Lord's work for years and years. She taught me uh, the, my first principles of practical evangelization when I was a freshman in college at Franciscan University in Steubenville. And uh, she one time wrote what she called the five priorities of a parish to begin the new evangelization at their parish. And I took that document and reformatted it. And I have seen this pop up in places everywhere. And so today Dave said, this is what I want to talk about. And I was like, oh, yeah. great. I helped to format that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So why don't you get it started, Dave? Yeah. Awesome. So uh, Carol writes these five priorities, and what we're going to do is we're also going to add some of our own into oh, this. Yeah. But we'll talk about the first five right here because they're just—I mean, these are just like excellent ways to kind of begin. Even if you don't understand intellectually, like where the parish needs to be or where to go, these are great steps to start. So the very first one we talk about all the time, it's recover the importance of charismatic proclamation, the importance of making sure your parish is constantly proclaiming the basic gospel message. It couldn't be more simple, both from the pulpit, but also teaching people how to proclaim it and how to grapple with it, having you know some, some real serious studies of the basic gospel message. Absolutely. And to understand the difference between the kerygma, that which is proclaimed, and catechesis, right? The re-echoing of Christian teaching into maturity, right? So one of the beautiful things is connecting the kerygma and constantly proclaiming what is the basic gospel message of what Christ accomplished for you. And the beautiful thing that I do at my parish that I love, it is literally my favorite thing is to take no matter what part of the catechism I'm talking about and tie it back to the cross and resurrection. Because everything you can, every single thing you can, especially the sacraments. And when I'm working at the prisons and all that good stuff, I love, love, love helping men who are anti-Catholic see the Christocentric nature of the sacraments. And you do that through the charismatic proclamation. Yeah, and you can just build that culture, and and uh, it, you know it's really a great idea to get your your pastor on board. But again, if this is just not his thing, we can you can start to build a charismatic culture even without that. One of the things that we do at the parishes that I work with um, is the sacramental moments. We never have a meeting, for instance, about confirmation or first communion without at least the first five to ten minutes being the charisma being proclaimed in some way. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's an excellent way to build that culture. So number two, she says, build explicitly Christ-centered witness testimony into everything. And this is, uh, 
this is my go-to here. So one of the things that I do with parishes is I try to just build an army of people who know how to give their personal testimony about what Jesus has done in their life. Uh, it, we and and my next step, hopefully at this new parish I'm at, is to implement those testimonies into every event at the parish, every single thing. Uh, but continually teaching people how to give their testimonies and building it into the parish culture. Yeah, that's the thing I admire the most and am trying to steal from you shamelessly. Like this culture where people are not afraid to identify how God has moved in their life. Right. Um, what you want from that and, and the beauty of that kind of flows from that is when men and women who are doing ministry, it just bleeds into it. It, it becomes a seamless garment, if you will. Like it goes from this is how God changed my life when I had a conversion to this is what God is doing in my life right now. Right. And, you know, one of the things that bothers me about parish life is so often our prayer time is just a bookend. All right, we pray in our Father at the beginning, we'll say Hail Mary at the end, we're done, boom, meetings adjourned. But to have time where you can really dive into what God is up to in your life, in your ministry, whatever. Right. And weaving that in, I think, starts with, you know, formally teaching people how to give their testimony, but then it becomes part of the prayer life. I have a woman that I work with who, me and her, we sit down probably once a week and we just share glory stories of how God has moved powerfully in people's lives. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Oh, yeah, and and she's the token non-Catholic on the staff. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> my, yeah, my dream is to make this, like, almost organic, where, like, I don't even have to plan it ahead of time. Yeah. We're at a meeting, and I can just say... Is there anybody here who'd like to share their personal testimony? And someone just says, yeah, I hear it. I'll do it. Our, our, um, the director of communication, Stephen Lenahan, he just started incorporating that. He'll reach out to two people ahead of time and say, I need you to share a glory story that happened in the past like month for our monthly staff meetings. Yeah. And it's cool now that our staff meetings are framed not just around opening and closing prayer, but also how God, what God's right, up to. Right. So number three, this one's, I guess if there was one that was complicated, which they're not, this would be the most complicated, but she says, talk in the explicitly evangelical language yeah. of the last four popes. Talk in the explicitly evangelical language of the last four popes. Absolutely. I mean, it couldn't be more clear. She's talking about using phrases like personal encounter with Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus, even just using Jesus's name often is very much what she's talking about, uh, kind of combating a culture of the more, I don't know how to say it, austere language and talking about the love of God, right? I mean, is that what isn't that how you took that, Gomer? Oh, yeah. And the idea being you're personalizing your faith. Right. Because for so many people, Catholicism is a formal, rehearsed, memorized set of experiences. You know, whether you're talking about mass or the rosary or a right. litany of the saints or the divine mercy chaplet, so much is memorized, external, and repeated right. that it feels robotic and can, can be forced. But the idea is when you have an encounter with Christ, the personal and the subjective breaks into the objective and the formal. And you don't have to discard the one in order to have the other. But the popes, uh, you know, like, you know why we say um, the Protestants have a phrase, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? as your personal Lord and Savior, 
Well, Pope John Paul in Catechesi uh, Tridendi, he talks about the saving sovereignty of Christ. Right. Saving, Savior, sovereignty, Lordship. So when you begin to view this stuff, we need to make it more personal without getting rid of the ecclesial dimension. Right. It's both and. It's not either or with this stuff. Right. And this is not only it's is it a beautiful thing to do to parish, but it wins over people who think, oh, this really isn't. This is this is more Protestant. This isn't yeah. Catholic. Yeah, well, we're using the language of the popes, you know. So don't worry about that. Yeah, and this is a strategy. This is a strategy of how we're tilling the soil of the average Catholic parish for the new evangelization. Is we're using the language that brings about evangelization. Right. So we need them to be comfortable with it. And side note, that was a quote from Mission of the Redeemer from JP two. Conversion means accepting by a personal decision the saving sovereignty of Christ and becoming his disciple. That's straight from St. JP2, okay? Awesome. So that's the that's the beautiful thing. This is a strategic move to use this language. That's awesome. Number four is saturation in the word of God, and she literally means saturation. So oh, yeah. uh, we're talking Bible studies, Lexio Divina training. We're talking any way to get the word of God into the people. Uh, this is, this is going to be really important for not just discipleship, the beginnings of discipleship and that decision, it's going to be really important how people change, right? This is this is kind of the heart of metanoia is personal prayer, scripture reading, the mass and confession. Those are the hearts of, of how God changes us. And particularly in the word of God, right? We hear his voice, we hear his voice and we get to know him well. And so saturating your parishioners in the word of God is very, very important. Now, I was just doing a parish staff retreat and uh, one of the things I read to him from the catechism was a part on meditative prayer. Cool. And meditation's all the rage, right? Like, oh, have you done your mindfulness meditation and all this different stuff? <laughs> and I was saying, and I said this last night, we're Catholic, we're not Buddhist. The goal is not empty your mind. It's to use the faculties of your mind right. to understand the mysteries. And very explicitly, the catechism says that truly Christian meditation is centered on the life, words, and deeds of Christ. Right. So that means Letio Divina, reading the scriptures, and the praying the rosary. And it is a beautiful way to... I use that phrase, beautiful. I guess I'm in a beautiful mood. But uh, it, it really does help to... Being saturated in the Word of God helps you to keep that Christo centric focus that when you start using the language of saints and theologians and bono from you too you're <laughs> those might be both well saint and, and theologian <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> that stuff might be good and it might be true but only the word of god is anointed right right i i held up the catechism today and i said this is true and infallible but it's not inspired. right? And then I held up the Bible and I said, all that God wanted and only that which God wanted is in this book. It's words about God in God's own words. So even the book of Leviticus, every word of it is anointed <laughs> and can bring about profound healing and change and conversion and insight and wisdom. But it doesn't happen unless you're not using it, weaving it through your own personal life, your ministry, as well as actively in the church. And, and what you're going to see is if you try to make disciple, disciples without saturation in the Word of God, what happens is that they they just can't grow because to you know a, a disciple continually follows God's voice, and we learn to recognize God's voice in the Scriptures. That's where we learn to recognize His voice, so you can continue to grow. Number five. Um, 
and, and this is actually, we're making a lot of headway in the church in America with this. It's establish a permanent discipleship track in the parish. And she means formalized. Like how does someone who doesn't really know the Lord go from that to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? What are, what is that? How does that happen in your parish? What does it look like? And there's, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do this. I think some of the some of the easier ways is to adopt one of the f- popular programs that are out there that do a pretty good job of this. Now, there's no program you're not going to have to add to. That's just the way it is. And and there's no program that you're not going to have to, at times, slow down or speed up, you know, because a lot of this happens organically. But you definitely want to have a plan of how someone who doesn't know Jesus comes to know the Lord, to follow him and to make him the center of your life at your parish. And that plan should be in some way formalized. People should know that at the parish. I think the classic case right now, and I'm sure I've made fun of this before, but one of the things I I always try and harp on is don't make disciples by throwing good Catholic things into a blender and hoping that you're going to pour out a disciple. Yeah. Sure. Can it work? Can God break through things? Of course it can, but have an actual strategy, a plan that you're leading someone down through a pathway. Don't just throw a bunch of great Catholic stuff in there and and hope you pull out a good Catholic. Yeah. And the, the idea is you're trying to get for overall formation. I can't tell you how many Catholics I know and was one myself who did not have a prayer life at all, but I could answer a ton Sure. Questions about the Catholic faith. I knew a lot, but I wasn't praying a lot. And I could give lip service to prayer. And I had all the memorized prayers memorized, but not prayed. And so the the danger is missing out on these huge gaps in someone's formation. The positive thing is once you decide, like, what does this discipleship track look like? And Carol makes a point to say, not another program for all comers that you run for a season, rather a small group process that starts with the proclamation of the kerygma. Right. And that's a beautiful way to view it because it's not, you're not interested in the crowds. Right. You're interested in those who are saying, okay, I don't know if I believe this, but I'm going to commit to this because I want to see if this is what I believe. Right. And then from that starting place, you can begin to form people into those that, that Christ wants, in, into his followers, not just fans, right? right? Not just you know someone who gives a thumbs up on a hashtag blessed post on Facebook, but, right. but truly. but So coming up with a, a more strategic and well-rounded process lets you see the gaps. Like I right. know a lot of parishes, and tell me if, if you're like this, Dave, where parishes have a lot of good formation, not necessarily a lot for like, onboarding people who don't know what they believe right they don't know if they have faith no sort of no formal thing at the parish to help them but then to send them out to be evangelists themselves right they got nothing like i always think of the focus win build send all the money's in build right all the programs are in build there's very little in win and nothing in send what do you think is that true right oh yeah yeah absolutely and uh, like exactly what gomer says when like when churches ask like me to consult with them, then I'm going to say, well, what's the process now? I'd like you to write it down so that I can immediately see where the gaps are. And it's almost always in that gap right there. Uh, we also just, you know, the other gap is just, we just assume people learn how to pray on their own. Right. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and you know, that's a, yeah, I mean, that's a big mistake there. We assume people, uh, you know, know how to make moral decisions on their own without, without the church, right? We can't do that either. So there's always going to be some kind of gap. And just having the plan to begin with 
is a great way to just say, okay, here's what we're lacking and, and here's what maybe is causing, you know, the issues, why we're not having that much progress. So I think, I think that's a really great idea. And again, we all very often start with the more rigorous or with the more difficult part. So I, I'll often establish a class on how to evangelize before I do anything else, because there are disciples at your parish. There are disciples. So getting them on board with evangelizing can be really, really great. So I think that's good. Now, absolutely. So, so Gomer, that's Carol's five priorities. And I, you know, I'm anxious to hear some of yours as well. And I'm going to give you some of mine, but I think both of us right off the bat can see a glaring omission. Sorry, Carol. I hate to ever disagree with you ever in my life, but what is it? What is it? Well, a glaring omission is that, you know, I think a formalized intercessory prayer group is the very first thing, the very first priority you need to have some kind of formalized intercessory prayer to bring evangelism, to bring about uh, conversions. Mm. No, not you? Uh, I would say 100%. Come yes. on. Yeah, of course you need that because yeah, the right. problem is, right, then you're trying to do it. Now, you might be praying, but imagine if your parish is praying for this to happen. Right. right. Think of the think of the conversion energy you have stacked behind that rock to get it rolling down the hill. So yeah. So so you would say the real number one is get a group of dedicated parishioners who are gonna pray for the new evangelization at your parish. And the truth is that was five she gave five priorities for the new evangelization, not necessarily at the parish. But but if we're talking about parish evangelization, I would say that that's the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna start praying, period. And it's such an easy thing. There's no reason to not do that. So having something formalized, it could be as something as simple as asking all parishioners to pray a Hail Mary every day just for conversions at the parish. It could be more complicated. Like at our parish, you're actually part of a group, right? Where you're praying for specific intentions and specific things every single day. And then one day out of the month, you're fasting and praying for conversions at the parish. So it could range, but uh, I think that's the very first priority. That's awesome. And I would say... The last priority. All of these are priorities. Isn't that funny to pluralize the word priority? Yeah. This is prior to everything else. These eight things are prior <laughs> to everything else. So I would say uh, number number seven, since you added a six, this is what I would say. Finally, you can't do it alone. Yeah. It's not just about having an intercessory prayer team. It's about being, you still need to be discipled, and you need to be continually discipling others. But you also need, I mean, you need community. <laughs> like, I can't say right. it enough. It's not just, a, if the priest is using all the right charismatic words from the pulpit, but there's no place for people to go where they know that they belong, right? then it's going to fall on deaf ears yeah. and hard hearts. Like, part of the process of evangelizing isn't just with words, but in the heart of some new type of community. And so I would say... What you want to do is not just get your intercessory prayer team, but get those people over at your house, break bread together, eat food together, share your intentions, and if you want to be really dangerous, share your needs and, yes, even your sins and repent together and call down that repentance in the middle of that. Like, I'm nice, telling you, awesome. the, there, there's a reason why renewal comes when men and women fall on their knees together. It's because there is so much power in that union. I love it. I love it. Gomer, how do you identify those people? Oh, my gosh. Uh, because I steal them from other ministries yeah. where they're the cream yep. of the crop yep. and they're doing a million right. things, right? right? So you just walk up and you're like, I need you. Right. I right. need you. 
And so I, I've well, okay. So honestly, for me, I have a group of friends, and within that group of friends, me and my wife are for the most part not entirely the oldest. And so people naturally look to my wife for like mom advice and stuff like that. And no one and no one looks to me for any advice <laughs> whatsoever. But uh, but when they come to my house, it's a home for them. And it's in the middle of that, like with all the craziness and I'm barbecuing and we're drinking beer and having fun and doing all the family stuff. I will pull all the kids and make them come all downstairs and we'll put them all on the couch and then I'll have everyone say a decade of the rosary together. And that's it. But once you start doing that, you realize that socialization dies and fellowship begins. Right. And that's where the people that generally would, would allow you to do that are the people who would then be praying for the nice. conversion nice. within that's their awesome. parish. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll throw out another step here. Yeah. I think another you know principle, just real simple idea for parish evangelization that people can get caught up in is I, I, I like to start with the low-hanging fruit. You know, there are there are thousands of people coming to your parish every year that are not evangelized. I would start with them before I do like big, huge programs like billboards and stuff like that. I would start with the people who already come to you. And so I'm talking about things like sacramental moments. I'm talking about CCD. I'm talking about uh, all, all different kinds of reasons that people have to come for the church. Really start with those things. You could even do things. I've heard of people doing things like like godparent classes before they can get that slip, right? I mean, you can really start to capitalize on this. If you have baptism class, you got to make it charismatic, more evangelical. Uh, starting with those places, it, it, it's going to really help to start the ball rolling. Start with the low-hanging fruit. Oh, you think? Those touch points are so huge. Right. Just to give you an example, uh, if you were to go to YouTube, I think I shared this in the past, type in theology of the body for engaged couples. I did this series where, like, or not a series, but one talk, it was 30 minutes long. I, I couldn't go to one of these classes, and so I just recorded my message. And now they don't want me to come to the class, so I just they just do the recording. But the whole idea is I'm giving them Pope John Paul II's theology of the body to set up the, the NFP class and all that stuff for engaged couples. But my whole point is to use it to evangelize couples preparing for marriage. And if I'm in person, I will literally take a 45-minute talk and spend 30 minutes about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that affects their marriage. And I'll spend, in a baptism class where I'm given 20 minutes, I will spend 15 of that talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how it affects their parenthood over a baptized baby. You know, like, that's the whole thing. Now, you don't have to do that, but that's what I do in order to still convey the information that I'm asked to give, but at the same time, centering everything on that on that charisma. You're right, those touch points are huge. Yeah, and they're so easy to do. They're so easy yeah. to do. The other thing I would say is really, you know, and this is a hard part for me, so maybe I'm just being biased here. I I think another priority for, for us needs to be start meeting everybody. Try to meet everyone at your parish and really just start to try and learn names, right? Because I think, you know, you, when you're working at the parish, when you're an official volunteer, you don't want to treat it like a zoo, right? Like they're on the other side of the cage. You got to get in there and interact. And I think that's like a big thing for a lot of people. Uh, even priests, get get to know people really, really well at your parish. It may sound simple, but that's a, a great principle for evangelization. Oh, absolutely. These See, this is the thing, is that these things are all really simple, ladies and gentlemen, but you could literally change a parish 
all really quick by implementing some of these. I mean, this is the stuff that discipleship is made of, right? In a sense that it's not really all that formalized. We're just talking about broad principles here. And what we're doing is just teaching people to, to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to love Jesus. It's really simple. And when it takes the place in, in a parish, naturally community starts to build. Now, you're going to need a little bit of help, like Gomer's, uh, Gomer's program with Ascension Press, but community comes out of relationship with Jesus. And so community is going to start to build. So I love the fact that she started with these priorities because I think a lot of people would have started with the community priority first. Yeah, yeah. And just to let you know, I took this sheet of paper, printed it out dozens of times that have put it in my co-workers mailboxes i think twice over the years every single one clergy laity musicians they all got it yeah that's awesome because i want to bounce it around their heads you know we don't yeah. want to lose sight we constantly have to keep reproposing this so when we come back we're going to share with you our five takeaways our take fives um if you want to email us please do so at eksb at ascensionpress.com stands for every niche shove out eksb and uh, if you want it would be really awesome if you could do this go on iTunes and give us a five-star review if you think we deserve it. That way other people can help find the show. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back as we head into our utterly practical, ridiculously practical five takeaways from this show. How can we help our parishes become centers of evangelization? Dave, you're going to knock us out with the first three. Yeah. Okay. Number one, you know, we talked about using the explicit language of the last three popes, evangelical language. One of those documents that you're going to want to eventually familiarize yourself with is a document called Catechesi Tridende by Pope John Paul II. And it is a landmark document that he wrote that really uh, just, it, I mean, it's amazing. It, it will blow your mind, you know, as far as, especially if you work for the church, if you're really involved in volunteering, it's amazing. And it's a, it's a weighty document. So Gomer said, I should shorten it. We should just read the read paragraphs one through 21, one through 21, when he's really getting at the heart of the matter. So catechesi tridende paragraphs one through 21. And I think you'll be really surprised, almost blown away. You'll wonder at times, is this like written by like a Baptist preacher or is this Pope John Paul, right? But it's it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Number two, all right, step out of the boat here, guys. Step out of the boat here. I want you to consider joining or starting, joining or starting a Bible study at your parish, right? We talked about Bible literacy, just really saturating ourselves in the word of God. This is easy, and I'll tell you why, because of... Ascension Press. They make it very, very easy. There are excellent, excellent Bible studies that they put out that would be so easy for you to just put on in your home, to put on at the parish. Um, there's so many of them. So consider joining or starting some kind of a Bible study at your parish. Uh, it could be, could be as small as three people, could be as small as two people, but do something to try and start that saturation of the Word of God. Now, 
number three is kind of intimidating. Okay. I, I, I understand I've had these conversations before, especially if you're a volunteer, uh, this can be hard, but I think even more so for parish employees, if you've never had this before, what we want you to do is begin a conversation, begin a conversation with either the pastor, the DRE, or if you're at a really great parish, the director of evangelization, uh, about evangelization at the parish. And that conversation, just to get the ball rolling, could be something as simple as this. I, you know, God has done so much in my life. I'm really anxious to help out with evangelization at my parish. How, how can I be of service to you? Is that a priority here? How can I be of service to that priority? Uh, number four here, this kind of goes alongside joining or starting a parish Bible study. Look for those touchstone moments and how you can be a volunteer maybe in those ministries. So I know that you know in parishes, there are two types of parishes, people that are always hurting for volunteers and people where the volunteers just camp out for 20 years. This is my ministry. Great. But yeah, if there great. are spots open on the baptism team, if there are spots open on the marriage prep team, especially if you have sponsor couples and stuff right. like that, get involved in those specific ministries and see if you can't give a talk where you're sharing your testimony or working in the kerygma into a proclamation. Not everyone is called to be a teacher, but everyone is called to share their faith. And maybe you don't need to be in front of a classroom in order to do the kerygma or testimony, but you could be one-on-one -on -one with a couple or someone seeking baptism or whatever it might be. So I would say join something that already exists. Again, we're focusing on the parish. Right. Join something that already exists in the parish in terms of catechetical ministry or whatever it might be and, and help them uh, make it more charismatic. And finally, I would say... Um, that was awesome. That one was awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that one alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it too because I, I see the fruits that it can bear in people's lives. And lastly, I want to say when we talk about saturating people in the Word of God, I want you to buy a Bible, a Catholic Bible, for someone who doesn't have one in your life. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Right? Get them a good Bible. Oh, I don't know, maybe, shoot, how about the Bible timeline or the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension? <laughs> Boom! I actually, that's the Bible that I travel with. Um, there's a lot of great Bibles. I recommend the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition. Um, you can get BibleGateway.com. has all these Bibles, Amazon, Ascension Press. So there are great Bibles. But buy a Bible for someone and give it to them as a gift. Oh, my gosh, yeah, that's amazing. And I think I think that could build a bridge. Absolutely. Well, this has been uh, this episode. I hope you learned a little bit about parish evangelization here. Uh, this has been the, uh, I don't know what number we're on now, Gomer. This is 400. That would be so awesome. I can't wait till we're <laughs> at that point. This is uh, Every Knee Shall Bow. I'm Dave Van Vickle coming at you from Pittsburgh. And I'm joined by Michael Gormley. And we had a good time sharing the love of God with you today. And I hope that you'll join us in sharing that love with others. Amen. Thank you all. 